General Legal Disclaimer. All views and opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the host and guest. The material presented is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing presented is a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatments. The host and guests are not liable for errors and omissions. Please pursue any action solely at your own risk. All right, nowadays, that has become a necessity. Let's begin the show. Keeping it real. Today on Keeping It Real, we have Keith Pinkard with us. He is a former certified personal trainer from Gold's Gym, and this is the same one I once worked at. Since then, he has changed careers, but he continues to do resistance training for his health, strength, and aesthetics. Diet and cardio are often the main focus for most people wanting to get in shape, right? But strength tests predict all-cause mortality better than any other test. Weight loss from diet and cardio only is typically resulting in a 50% muscle loss from people. That's not good. That's why resistance training is important. So Keith is evidence for the effectiveness of resistance training. Today, he is going to share his story of fitness throughout the years from where he started to where he has arrived as a 40-plus warrior who keeps kicking ass with no excuses. Another point I have to bring up, I'm 44. I thought Keith was maybe a year older than me. He's got a couple extra years on me, which makes his (laughs) progress staying in shape even more impressive to me, and I'm sure it will to you folks out there as well. How old are you, Keith? I am 47. All right. He is now moving closer to 50. (laughs) I I was scared when I hit 40. Launching this conversation off, let's dabble into the story of what started you doing resistance training instead of running track or swimming or Something else. Why weights? Well, you and I have talked about this. You and I both used to be pretty skinny dudes. And uh, we share that. We were both yeah, more on yeah. the runt side, skinny, bony guys. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I wanted to get bigger. And I really, I, I started working out to break a, a lot of old school bad habits. You know how it was back in those days. Too much of the wrong kind of partying. Dude, yeah, you rocked out and partied like a, a like seriously. You, you, I don't think anything was off limits to you. No, pretty much no. But yeah. at some point, it, it it got there, and I decided like I needed some positive change. Right. And you know, I, I had I had dabbled in working out here and there before, and you know, I really liked the way it felt. You know, just just overall, you know, you get that feeling after you lift weights. It's just you feel centered, and it's. To me, it's always been like a meditation thing as much as it is a like a physical thing. That just that just drew me to it. It centered me, and it was also something that you know to 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 be able to increase the amount of weight that you're lifting, pulling, or pushing. It, it, you really have to have some have consistency, and it teaches you focus. And that was a lot of what I needed. So that kicked it off for you. That got you rocking and rolling towards doing resistance training, bodybuilding. What age do you think that was? Man, I started really getting serious about it probably at about 23, I think. 23 or 24 was when I, like I said, I I had worked out a little bit before that and tried to get into it. And, you know, I would get into it for a little bit, but it was, yeah, it just wouldn't stick. And 23, 24, somewhere around there was when I was like, yeah, this this is what I want to do. And it really you know, I really started driving at home. So if we uh, look back on it, then how has your training regimen since those days when you first started to now changed? Well, you know, when you're younger and you start this, it's like we talked about this earlier. Like you don't, you don't really know a lot because it it was a lot harder to get the info back then. You, you, you couldn't die. Since we're old, 
<laughs> we didn't have yeah. access to unlimited information and misinformation on the internet. In fact, it was hard to find anything. Yeah. And I mean, I like, I didn't understand, you know, when I started out, I didn't understand a lot about like, you know, grip placement on a bar for bench press or even, even military press. And you know, that affects everything. Dude, that is such a profound thing to say. Grip placement can completely change an exercise. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, like everybody, like we talked about this too, like everybody learned things in school and like the the predominant idea was that like when you go to do a press, you put your ring finger on that ring on the bar. Well, I have broad shoulders. So for me, putting that my ring finger on those rings was actually bringing my grip in closer, which for the first two like year or so, like my delts and my triceps were, were growing and getting huge. And my pecs were just pancakes, dude, like get just flat. That's a great point right there is bio-individuality. Everybody out there listening to all your favorite influencers on the internet and everything, remember, whatever works for them may not work for you. So you got to really look at it as an experiment. Like Keith is saying here, find out what works for you. Don't just consistently trying to force something to work that doesn't feel right, doesn't produce the results that you want. Yeah. And the best trainers are going to look at that kind of stuff when, you know what I mean? When they sit you down to do something, they're going to watch and they're going to look at your body and they're going to, they're going to size that up. And if they're not, then they're, you know, they're doing something wrong because I actually messed my shoulder up. But back to the original question over the years, I just learned, you know, I learned more about isolation, focus, slowing my reps down. That's been an important one. A lot of it's changed there. You know, like you can get at a decent pace, but it's like if you slow things down, you, of course, you won't get as many reps, but man, you build, you build so much more solidly. Time under tension. Yeah. It's I, a great principle. Yeah. And I've also, like, I've always listened to people. Like, I, I guess that's where I learned a lot of things was starting out was I would go up and talk to the biggest meathead in the gym and be like, look, dude, I'm sorry to bother you. Dude, how do you get your arms <laughs> to look like that? You know, I'm walking it. I'm walking around with pipe cleaters and, and you know, I'm asking this dude, you know, cause I, I need somewhere to start anyway. And like, you know, I started watching people's form and then, you know, I started learning about like supination of the palms for curls and, and things like that. And it's like, that, that's, that's where it changed and evolved over the years was I really, really, really started paying attention to yeah, how my body worked, what it worked with. And, you know, like even, even things as small as changing your thumb position, tearing certain things, it's, it's just, it, it amazed me that 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 led me down and heavier into like looking into anatomy and how things actually work. And it's, you know, I did just over the years, it was just more about focus. It, it sounds deep to the uninitiated to someone maybe listening to this that doesn't know anything about this. They're going, what? It's down to where your thumbs and your wrists are turned and all that. Yes, it's that detailed. When you first start out, don't worry about that stuff. But once you progress and you start getting further into this, like we were talking about bio-individuality, finding out specifically your anatomy is different than maybe your idol. It's whoever at the gym you're looking up to or Arnold Schwarzenegger. You could have completely different genetics. You could have a different bone structure, your muscles. I mean, like this is one thing that I've learned from a lot of people. Look at muscle tie-ins. like. Does their muscle tie in down here, their bicep, or does it tie in way up here? It could be different with their chest. It could be different with their calves, their quads. All these different things can give you different leverage points on the way you lift. And therefore, the way you feel the exercise and the way you grow the muscle could be completely different than the next person. Absolutely. So that's great points that you made like i said the uninitiated they may not know this stuff and it matters yeah so, i just you, you know when you get a client and you're working with someone that's me personally that's the first thing i do like i i give them way less weight than i that i think even that i even like suspect that they can push or pull and i'm like don't worry about that let's work let's focus on your form and let's look at how you lift so that we can we can find the ideal oh my god are you a good trainer <laughs> <laughs> I, I tried 
And I, well, I, yeah, still, I know you, you don't do it anymore, but I mean, this is something that I see so many trainers still. And I watch them and they just try to kill the person they're training and talk about turning somebody off from doing resistance training for the rest of their life. I oh, know people that are turned off from that. Yeah, they they get that trainer that just tries to make a name for themselves, their ego, by trashing somebody, making them puke, making them so sore they can't move for three or four days. That is not what is going to progress somebody and make them better as a human being and definitely is not going to bring them back to the gym for more. You're not supposed to make them puke for at least a month. I'm kidding. Like, <laughs> you don't do that people you learn what are their strengths what are their weaknesses and above and beyond all this what you said is training the form repeat the form over and over until we get the form correct because we can't progress with weight until we have the form right yeah and you're not going to, half of it is giving people a sense of accomplishment and you're not going to hit little milestones. You know what I mean? If things are all over the place, that's like, you, you got to lay that groundwork, you know, to drive them towards that. So, you know, in a month you can actually show them like, you know, look, we're making progress. You want to stick with this. this oh yeah, dude, definitely. That's, that's the basis of dopamine. Little dopamine hits is, oh, I got another goal to achieve. I did it. It's recognized my trainer is here with me. We've, we've accomplished that, but he's got another goal for me. And now the dopamine chase begins to get to the next goal. So yeah, all that stuff matters, man. What could you say to the guy or girl that's in their teenage years or early 20s that wants to move forward and do something in the resistance training, bodybuilding, physical world? My my first suggestion is going to go back to the form thing. Like I'm going to tell them, go in there and master that form. Yeah, start at a really low weight and make sure your form's on. My second thing is going to be like to make sure that form is on. Do some research online. There's a lot of good trainers out there. There's yeah, there's guys I watch. Like I don't know how most people feel about them, but I I, I kind of like that guy Jeff Cavalier from Athlete X. I watch a lot of his videos. No, he's good. He, he trains a lot like you and I used to. Like, that's one of his primary things is the form. Like, and he really breaks down in his videos, you know, like, like where your posture needs to be for certain things. And it's like, go watch that kind of stuff and have a really solid understanding of the movement before you do it. Because it's so easy to screw yourself up and like you blast your shoulder and you're out for nine months and that's a, a minor injury i went through that trying to do too many inclines back when i didn't know anything and like jack my shoulder up luckily it wasn't anything serious but it put me out of working out for like nine months and then i had to you know and it's a clean slate you're starting over right um the other thing is to get with somebody that has solid advice about supplements because the supplement market is so full of shit like most of it does it seems like trash to me I mean, from so many years that I have been involved with it, when I was young, I was eager to dive into the supplement world and take every pill and powder and believe mm -hmm. every advertisement in the magazines that I saw. Is there good supplements? Is there bad supplements? What, how do we know? I mean, definitely a good quality protein. You and I both know that, man. But like the, the thing with that is like, you also have to like get it across to people that there's a reason it's called a supplement. It's you're, you're not you're you're not supposed to like have to have these at certain points of the day you dude. you know it does help to have one post-workout why aren't you still training you know so much good shit <laughs> here dude well that would take me a long time to build up a clientele man it's that's a whole other animal and i'm super busy with my current job and dadding and whatnot <laughs> like, but i know you yeah. got a life but dude you got so much knowledge yeah it, it, it it's one of those things that they, you know those shakes are there for when you can't get a good quality meal, you know, so a decent protein is good. And depending on how fixated you are on the taste, you know, if, if a taste is a, is a big factor, then of course, by all means, spend the money on synthesis because it tastes good. But if not, there's, but that's the one I still use. 
oh, I love synthesics, but you know, at the same time, sometimes you got to grab budget stuff and there are budget proteins that aren't that bad. I totally agree. And as far as like hierarchy of supplements that work, you named the number one supplement I would tell anybody to invest in. Whey protein. Collagen protein's good too. Egg protein. The thing that I would guard people against is, and the vegans are going to hate me for saying this, and I want your opinion. Any vegan protein. I'll tell you why I'm against it. I've looked up the stats on it. They're all heavily concentrated with heavy metals, glyphosates, and it all makes sense because they're plants. So they're saturated in chemicals, all this other bullshit that's being put on them. And then they're harvested and ground up. And then we come to the next fact. Vegan proteins are just, they're not up to snuff compared to animal proteins. They are insufficient. They are inferior. They don't have all the cofactors, all the different amino acids in their full spectrums that you need to actually heal your muscle. Well, I haven't done a super deep dive on it. Um, I mean, you're absolutely right. There's a lot in like, like meat, well, like regular proteins that people need as far as amino acids. But the one time that I've tried like the plant-based protein, a guy I was working out with had some, and he was like, you, you want this stuff? And I was like, sure, I'll try it. Yeah. Did it take, it tasted like chocolate Robitussin. It was bad. Chocolate <laughs> <laughs> Robitussin. And, I, and I'm sure, you know, like there's someone out there that's going to be like, no, this one tastes good. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure it does. But it, I, I guarantee I you, just us talking about this will piss some vegans off. Period. You know, you can't, yeah, make, yeah, every, can't make everybody happy telling the truth. I mean, it's their business if that's if that's what they want to do. And, but at the same time, it's like you do you. Like it's I'm I'm going for the the classic standard. Whey is generally cheap. It's fast acting. You know, I I like getting the blends that are like whey egg casein. You know, it's you you know where that's going. You know what it does. And like I said, you don't have to spend a small fortune on it. There's some budget ones that that are actually that taste fine. You know, yeah. some of those you have to hold your nose. Hell, I remember when I first started out, the only thing I could really find was Joel Weeder. Me and too. The, that, that stuff was so bad, man. Oh. I remember when Muscle Milk came out and everybody was like, holy shit, you got to try this. And I'm like, oh, this tastes like I shouldn't be drinking it. And then later I find out this, there's, there's an asshole of sugar in Muscle Milk. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't be drinking this. But then the other ones caught on, like Dimatize and a lot of those companies started making good taste and stuff. And then Set the Six came out and I was mind blown. I was like, this stuff tastes so good. They're peanut butter cup, man. Holy shit. Fucking A. I mean, it came out a long time ago, and I still use it to this day. And uh, one of the main reasons is, yeah, it's the taste. So, oh, yeah, man. You, you can buy 100% natural way. I think there is a, a company that makes that. I think it's Optimum Nutrition that makes the 100% natural way. And there's nothing in it, no flavoring. It's just that. And it's probably abominable to try and swallow. But if that's what you want, then, I mean, hey, I mean, you, you can add stevia or something to it, whatever. If that's your thing to go for it at that route, okay. But I've stuck with Synthesix all these years because the uh, protein quality and the way it works and the flavor, it's like... This is the, the stuff tastes good. You drink it and you're almost like, holy shit, there's got to be sugar in this thing. Right. But, you know, but there's not. Well, as far as I know, there's not. Someone's going to think we're shilling for synthesis. I'm like, I'm not. Uh, yeah, because me and you're both like synthesis, synthesis. But that, hey, man, that's uh, I just find that ironic that you like the stuff and I still seek it out to this day. There's two different synthesis. There's synthesis that has a, a higher carb content, and there's synthesis that has like basically no carb. Yeah. And that's the one I chase. And the uh, vitamin shop stopped carrying it. So then I had to find someplace else to get it. And, you know, I chased it down because I, used, I, I, used, I swear by it. I used to buy vitamin shops in house stuff quite a bit too. It tasted pretty good. And, and, and body, is it body tech? 
Or, yeah, I think so. But yeah. then it started getting expensive. They, it used to be cheap and it tasted pretty good for the price, but they started getting kind of expensive. I think all proteins gotten like kind of ludicrous lately, but. Well, that's in correlation with the price of protein. I mean, you go shopping for your meats and your eggs and all that kind of stuff. The inflation, the cost of all products like that are going up. So it makes sense that protein in general as a powder would go up too. So yeah, I guess we can't avoid it. Yeah. Unless we all band together and overthrow the government. (laughs) (laughs) Not saying that's not possible. Maybe it is. Over the years, usually I'll say with strength training, resistance training, bodybuilding training, any form of these different types of training, somebody is going to be inflicted with a injury of some sort. What injuries have you faced over the years from your training? Uh, two years ago, I had a slap tear fixed. Uh, it was for anybody that doesn't know what that is. It's where the tendon that, it, that attaches your bicep at the top. It starts fraying, it gets inflamed, and it starts rubbing on the, the shoulder bone. And they have to go in there and shave down the bone, amputate it at the tendon, and then move it over, bolt it back on. Yeah, I know. When he was telling me what they were going to do, I'm shitting my pants. And he's like, no, you'll, you'll regain full strength. You'll, you'll heal. And he was like, you just, you have to do physical therapy. You, know, you got to go through your rehab and you got to give it time. And, uh, a lot of that was brought on from, you know, I did construction for years. A lot of that came from carrying ladders over my shoulders and, you know, carrying things over my shoulders while I'm climbing ladders and stuff like that. And then on top right. of that, going, doing that all day and then going and working out. And I mean, even if you're doing everything right, you spend years in the gym and you're just going to get repetitive motion injuries. Right. There's wear and tear. It's going to happen. Yeah. The older you get, the easier it is for your body to break down. And then on top of that, I was, I was doing a lot of, and I still do. I was doing a lot of guillotines, like wide grip bench press, but I started getting to that point where I was able to stack more and more on. And I was like, Hey, you know, it, you, you can't go too heavy when you go super wide grip. Like eventually it's just the stress that in, in tandem with the construction stuff, it just wore it down. The surgery worked, man. It was a nasty recovery, but when I recovered, like I regained all my strength, everything's good. The only difference is it shortened the, it's shortened the head on this bicep a little bit. Yeah. Now yeah. I want to go have them do that to the other one because it makes it look bigger. <laughs> <laughs> it made the pig, okay, the, the, the pig, the peak of the muscle looks bigger now. Yeah. It looks a little <laughs> bit bigger. Like, do the other one. <laughs> I've heard this in uh, numerous cases now where they uh, remount uh, a tendon or ligament and it actually is just as strong and in some cases stronger than it was before i don't know about stronger i haven't lose i haven't lost any strength and i was able to build back up the only problem that i have is if i can track too hard at the top i get a weird charlie horse feel in there but it's just i just have to stop it a little bit short i'm still getting full contraction and full range but that's also lessened over the years but yeah i didn't gain any strength from it but i didn't lose any either it it healed i was really worried about that i'm like dude it's one of those things where i'm never going to be able to curl as heavy as i used to and it it gradually came back yeah so i guess that that lesson there i mean it as you said some injuries are almost inevitable throughout time if you're younger you don't have to have some of these injuries if you just pay attention and train smarter with focus mainly on mastering your form, like you stressed so vigorously at the beginning of this discussion. I think that is overlooked so many times. Practice it like you would in a sport, a baseball swing. Practice it in boxing like you would throwing a punch. Practice that squat over and over. Practice that bench over and over. Practice that deadlift over and over. Not heavy. Practice the form with light weight until you have got the form mastered, then progressively move the weight up and injury more than likely will not come your way. Egotistically, I think everybody, guys and girls, they start doing a workout and they 
feel like mm, I've got this. And they start bumping the weight up faster and faster and faster before they've really mastered the form correctly. And oh, it, yeah. it leads to a lot of injuries that way. This, especially guys. Like I remember when I was first starting out, I was seeing these dudes bench press like 315. And I'm like, I want that. And like I was in a race to get there as quick as I could. And it's like, you know, there were some days I was overloading myself. And, that, you know, it's like, there is a term. Yeah, there is a term. It's it's ego lifting. We have all heard of ego lifting. And guys, I think yes, most, most guilty. go through that. Yeah. So you have recovered from some injuries. And I guess you can say there may be some more come along the way, but you have probably learned how to minimize the fact that you may have some injuries. And if you are impacted by them, you probably know how to recover reasonably well. Do you think that mobility, flexibility, any of that stuff has a place in this discussion? I think it definitely does, but mostly with me, it's warm-ups, man. Like, um, yeah, I, I do more warm-ups than I used to. If I'm going to do a bench press or a squat or anything, I do like two to three sets that's just the bar. I don't care how ridiculous it looks. It's, it, I, I, I take that like little bit of weight and, I, you know, I make sure my form's there and I do it to get the blood flowing where I want the blood to flow and give it a good stretch. And I do a little bit of stretching too. I don't go overboard with it, but I mean, dude, I'm, like I said, I'm like we talked about, I'm, I'm going on 50. <laughs> the closer you get, dude, you got to stretch. Like when, when I go hit the skate park, man, like I, I, I stretch like crazy because I actually gave myself plantar fasciitis when I first started skating seriously again. Yeah, that was not fun. Nor were the shots that they put in the tendon on the bottom of my foot to, to oh, numb the pain. Yeah, that wasn't pleasant. And yeah, I just learned, man, you got to, but the, I do the bouncy kind of stretching. I've read that's better than the, you know, like the extended hold. Like, Static stretching. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, You're I, talking I, I, more about functional, like priming, like movement style flexibility, which mm. I would agree is better than just a static hold. It's a flexibility where you're using the muscle instead of you're just forcing it into a position and holding it. Yeah, the Golgi tendon reflex will eventually release and let you deeper into that stretch as you statically hold the position. But does that mean it's safe now to go do whatever you're doing because you have taught your muscle to release tension? No, actually, that could cause an injury. So it's better to do priming type flexibility, mobility. It Do whatever exercise you're going to do first, like you just said, with lighter weight. Warm up the muscle. Full range of motion. Get it moving. Get it grooving. Get the blood flowing. Heat it up. That's, it's scientifically now, th this is making more sense to everybody across the board than just doing static stretches. Yeah. Doesn't matter upper body, lower body, whatever it is. If you are about to do legs, do some body weight lunges, body weight squats, stuff like that. Don't go throw your leg up on a, a ledge somewhere and stretch your hamstrings over and over again. What you do is you relax that Golgi tendon reflex, like I said, of the hamstring and you relax it so much, it becomes placid and to where it doesn't hold any tension and you want tension involved in your exercise. Because if there's no tension, then it's going to be very easy for it to go above and beyond where it normally would catch or stop at and snap. So, so I agree with the way you're talking about priming before your workouts. Um, what a lot of people call the old man uh, warm-up, whatever. I think if you're young, it's smart to do warm-ups. Prime yourself before you do an exercise. Go through a full range of motion of whatever it is that you're going to do. And there's a great chance that you'll prevent 
lots of injuries before they could ever occur by doing that. Wow. So I mean, even scientifically, I think I think it's brilliant. I think it's smart that you're doing it that way. Even beyond that, if if you're young, look, it's like part of warmups. Past preventing injury is also like with activating that muscle. It's you know it, you're telling your pecs it's going to be time to go to work. You're putting blood in there, and it's like you could. I tend to get a way better pump and a way better focus, a way better mind muscle connection if I do that. Yeah, that's why I use the word prime because it's you're priming it for action. Yeah. You're literally getting it ready. You're telling it we're about to do something. You're not overbearing on the weight or anything like that. You're just giving it enough to realize, wake up, we're about to go to work. And you're getting it through that full range of motion. So it realizes all the different muscles, tendons, ligaments, everything needs to be involved. Get ready. We're about to rock and roll. I'm glad that you brought that up instead of just uh, static style stretching, because I don't think that is the best way to keep yourself mobile for doing things like weightlifting, resistance training. Yeah, it's um, never really worked for me. Hey, it's, it makes sense to me. Science is catching up with lots of stuff that people have done for years that necessarily wasn't validated. Oh, this is why it works. This is why it makes sense. What are some common misconceptions that you think many people have about anything involved in resistance training, period, from touching a weight to using bands to dumbbell, anything, guy or girl? What are some misconceptions you've heard of that have been disproven or just downright don't make sense? Oh, man, I could think of plenty, but the the main one is is with a lot of a lot of women that want to get in shape and they only want to do cardio because they're scared if they touch free weights they're going to bulk up like a <laughs> like a dude and i can't tell you how many times i've had to explain why that's not going to happen like you know like free weights are actually a really good shortcut to those calories that you want to burn it's more efficient you know like like once again like we talked about i'm not anti-cardio and i'm not dogging cardio but if your primary goal is to shave off more calories the best way that you're going to do that is make your muscles hungry enough to eat up the fat you know <laughs> like it need, needs the energy just a slight increase in muscle increases your metabolism and increases the calories you burn at rest yeah a lot of people definitely. don't know that you know yeah like that that's a that's probably the biggest one or like we talked about earlier um this goes more into diet, but like how like carbs are immediately the bad guy and as opposed to, you know, like how much of it, how many carbs you're eating a day and, and you, you'll get pushed back on that. But at the, at the, at the end of the day, man, like it's, you can keep your carbs in line, you know, you time them right. You're like, we talked about with the oatmeal thing before the show started, you know, it's a, it's yeah. a good slow burning carb, it's starchy carb, but it's slow burning. It'll keep you satiated longer. It'll fuel you longer. Like that, that's a big misconception too. It's just like, you know, carbs are going to make your dick explode. It's, it's just, it's not, <laughs> not all calories are created equal. Just like not all carbs are created equal. Your bowl of oatmeal might have the same carbs as a king size fucking Snickers bar. Are they equivalent in what they do for you? Absolutely not. No. There is so many macronutrients in a bowl of oatmeal. There's fiber in oatmeal. Exclusively, I would say the main thing you're getting out of a Snickers bar is sugar, which is going to spike your insulin, which causes maybe an energy rush for a moment, but massive inflammation in your body, and then a huge crash after that sugar burns off because the insulin goes down. It's not even comparable. So they equal the same thing in carbs when you look at them on a nutrient panel, except for if you look closely at the sugars, there's a big difference. But just in general, they're completely like on opposite ends of the spectrum of what they'll do for you. So I think that's where people need to learn the difference between their macronutrients it's all about more bang for your buck you know you've got 
you get the calories in, calories out, then go on and you really have to look at what those calories are worth. You know, like what you're going to get out of like on a macronutrient, vitamin level, you know, and like, like we talked about it, it, if you have a calorie deficit and you still have a few left over, by all means, like treat yourself with something that keeps you in budget. But it's like, you know, if you're, if you if you need to function, you need carbohydrates and you need better carbohydrates, which is where things like oats come in, you know? Yeah. Oats, potatoes, rice. I mean, there, there's lots of good slow burn carbs that can provide you energy and are not going to give you a surge in insulin and send a signal to your body to store body fat. Instead, they'll provide you with like what Keith's saying, that energy that just it's always there. It, it's 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 on tap. It's ready. Your body can pull from it. And it's since it doesn't provide a big insulin spike, instead, you'll notice that you have this good steady source of energy throughout your day by switching to these kinds of carbs that are natural instead of the unnatural processed bullshit carbs that most Americans are hooked on nowadays. It's easy to get hooked on those carbs too. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie, dude. The weekend comes around. I fudge a little bit. It's, you know. Well, I mean, think of the, think of the food companies. Think of the billions or maybe I'm misstating that. Maybe it's these food companies are worth trillions of dollars because um, so many of them now are not individual companies. Like, you know, you get into Quaker Oats and General Mills and all these different companies. Yeah, they're billion dollar companies, but so many of them have, have been bought out by fucking BlackRock and all these other big, huge fucking conglomerates that are multi-trillion dollar companies. And it changes the game. You know, it changes because they have so much money to pump into scientists figuring out every last detail from mouthfeel, from taste, from smell, from packaging, from everything that'll make you fucking addicted to it. Like it's a goddamn crack rock. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and, you know, and like, and natural foods just don't do that. <laughs> the, the, yeah. Then, then there's just like, like cutting corners with everything and, you know, using as cheap a components as they could possibly stuff in, which almost never leads to good results. You know? Yeah. Well, here's a, here's an easy little just visual. If I threw five baked potatoes in front of you, do you think you could, would, or even want to eat all of them? I mean, no, not unless all the awful shit was all over it, you know? Right. It's, I'm just talking about the baked potatoes themselves. I mean, hell, even give you five big baked potatoes with butter, sour cream, bacon, chives, all the bullshit. Still, it would be kind of hard to do five baked potatoes. Oh, yeah, definitely. I might make it through one. But in most bags of chips... Like a full bag of chips, that's about like four or five baked potatoes. And yeah. the way they fried it and condensed it down into that bag of chips and flavored it, you can smash a bag of chips and it's not a problem at all. Calorically, it's fucking nuclear. It's like unbelievable. And oh, it's yeah. It's saturated in all these polyunsaturated fatty acids that it's deep fried in that are fucking horrible and clogging your arteries. It's easy to do. I can smash a bag of chips. I've done it before, but I can't sit down and eat five baked potatoes. That's the difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just didn't take that. That's, that's food science for you. Yeah. <laughs> We get we get hooked on things that you know what I mean. That, that especially in this country, man. Like people, like you hear British people talk about when they come over here about like Americans love salty food, and they're not lying. Dude. I, I love good salty shit. You know, it's, it, it, it gets addictive, dude. Yeah, I mean, I give credit where credit is deserved. 
these scientists that have been paid to make these highly processed, highly palatable foods so irresistible, you almost fucking go to sleep and dream about sucking on them and fucking them and, you know, <laughs> rubbing them all over your naked body. I mean, you can't help it. You're driving down the road and you see a McDonald's or you see a Sonic or a Whataburger or whatever, and you're tempted to pull off, even though you're not hungry, you see that sign and the marketing is so good and the food you've tasted before is so good, it almost drives the car itself. Into, into the drive-thru and you're not doing anything. Your arms are, your hands are off the wheel. It fucking just sucks you in like uh, the Death Star. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> I, can, I can remember back in back in our Gold's days, I was on a hard cut and I would leave and be going home, dude, and I'd, I'd like drive by like Taco Bueno or something or I'm sweating. Like, like a good three weeks in and I'm getting boners over hamburger commercials, man. It's, you know... <laughs> Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. That's the that's a true test of your willpower. Once you finally really try to cut out all unnatural foods and just eat natural products to do some kind of extreme diet cut, whatever it may be, then you realize. These products have power over you that you know yeah. you never knew they fucking had until you completely cut them out. Then you realize they are like a drug. They are, but like at the same time, drug. like during my last cut, man, I kept everything calorically so in check that, like I said, after about a month or two, I'd you know on, on Saturday we'd go to Whataburger and I'd have a big double meat, double cheese, Whataburger. And I'm, I still shredded down to like 12% body fat. You know what I mean? It didn't, cause I kept it in budget. You, you bring it back to that, uh, bank account type of scenario again. And I, I like the, the way that you present that. It's like, you've got so much that you can spend. If you overspend or you go over your budget, well, you're not going to get the results that you want. You're going to end up in debt. You're going to end up fat. Just put it that way. If you're in the negative, you actually have extra money to spend in mm -hmm. this budget. And it's fucking 1,200 calories. It ain't going to hurt you to have that hamburger. It, yeah. it, might, it might be a good thing because you've been fucking starving yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's not literally like starving yourself to death. I'm just saying you're eating so clean when you eat natural products, the calorie density of those products are so low that you can afford to have a high calorie meal here and there. And lots of people don't even know when people are doing like these show preps, guys and girls, most of them program in like every week or two a cheat meal because their metabolism needs it. That shock, mm. that shock because they're just, your metabolism will start to slow down if it does nothing but get bombarded by low calorie foods and overtraining. So you're training your ass off. You need that little jolt, that shock to the system and Whataburger could do it. <laughs> Talk on oh, me. Taco Bueno could do it. That Snickers bar could do it. Even on top of that, it's just psychological, man. It, it keeps your sanity in check. And it's like, hey, I've got something to work forward to. Let's push, you know? That's another thing. That gets into talking about goals and uh, stuff to keep you motivated, driven to moving forward. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I mean, because if you know that I work hard, I eat perfect I'm doing everything to a T and I can see the results and I'm starting to get down in the dumps. I'm starting to feel kind of crappy. So I know at the end of the week, I'm going to get to go to Whataburger. I'm going to get whatever it is your, your fancy is. I don't care. It's a pack of ding dongs. <laughs> <laughs> 
fuck it, whatever. Stick a Twinkie up your ass for all I give a fuck. Um, <laughs> if it We're makes you happy. Passy. Yeah. <laughs> if that's what makes you happy, you know, but if that's what you're looking forward to, it's, it's a boost to the metabolism, but also people, I think, overlook the fact of the mental effect of foods. Foods can actually, yeah, they can uh, do things to your mind. Physical training can too. If oh. you take, take food out of the equation, I would say that physical training is my drug of choice. Oh, yeah. Like, if I don't, if I go a week without training, I don't know. I might be laying on train track somewhere. <laughs> uh, you get, I mean, you get to a certain level with it that it's just, a, it becomes part of who you are and what you that, do, you know? Yeah. I consider it part of my job, even though I don't get paid for it, you know? Yeah. And it's not even like work probably for you. You enjoy doing it. Like there's know, some. Like we talked about the meditation thing. That's my, that's my I, zone in. I like focus. the way you put that, 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 that it's a form of meditation for you. Cause it is, cause you and your mind and your body, I mean, you're all at one at that moment and there's nothing else that matters. The yeah, outside world, yeah. it's not, you're not in conflict with anything else. You're not thinking about anything else. There's no other problems. There's nothing about a car payment. You're shitty boss your girlfriend bitching you out last night you're not thinking about any of that when you're in the heat of a set and you are struggling to get reps that yeah. meditation is what's pertinent at that moment you are living the moment yeah it makes you very present you know like i said it's just that's what gets me through half the time too like it's you know long day dude like you just when you walk through the gym door it's done it's let's just get in here and do what we need to do yeah yeah necessity so we've been talking about food do you have like a food prep schedule do you have like a specific diet now have you gotten past that i mean let's just wrap this all together at once food prep food you eat supplements so as far as the food prep thing when i'm cutting uh, big, that's a big question. <laughs> yeah. When I'm cutting, I'm more about food prep. Right now, I'm not cutting. I will be soon. I'm kind of an autopilot, but I, I kind of dial that in so rigorously that, like, I can kind of just on autopilot keep things in check. You know what I mean? I do my cheating on the weekend. Like, me and my son run around, and, like, you know, when I get done with this, we're probably going to go out and eat something sloppy and nasty. But, yeah. <laughs> That's most good. of the time throughout the most of the time throughout the week, I'm you know I'm keeping keeping everything clean like tuna and rice for lunch with a little bit of like hot sauce in there. Like, what? Shoot me this, because um, I guarantee you this is what most people are doing. Okay, Keith is forty seven years old. I, what does he do every day? Because that's what everybody wants to know is what the hell does he eat from the morning till he goes to sleep. Can you, can you speak on that? Like, like how you start your day till you end it? Yeah. And I, yeah, I know yeah. every day can't be exactly the same, but just a general idea. Yeah. So the, like I get up in the morning and I make an omelet with the, uh, I use a third cup of egg whites, which is, um, it's equivalent to three eggs. And then I use two whole eggs and, uh, I use 2% milk. The, the cheese, the American cheese that's made with 2% milk. I had that as an omelet with the bowl of oats, half cup. You know, I cook it. I mix in blueberries, frozen blue, blueberries, and some uh, pumpkin spice seasoning that doesn't have any sugar in it. It's just the, you know, it's just, it tastes like pumpkin pumpkin. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, it is. I, I, I throw in three Splendas. Uh, that's my breakfast. You know, then I usually have like an apple and a protein shake for my uh, my mid morning snack. Lunch is usually like a quarter cup to a third cup of, of rice, basmati rice with a can of tuna mixed in, or I'll have like a leftover steak or piece of chicken that I cooked the night before. Usually around like eight to seven eight ounces. Um, I try to make yeah, I try to use loose loose leaf spinach for the iron and folic acid. Apples are my, you know, when I'm just feeling snacky, 
I, I get those cosmic apples. I take one of those down. That's funny. Uh-oh. That's one of my big snacks too, is I love an apple when I just gotta have something. Oh yeah. Cosmic pink ladies or honey crisp. Those are those are my go. Honey crisp are mine. Yeah. Oh man, they're they're fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, and I usually have a I usually have a protein shake about 45 minutes before I go to the gym. 30 minutes before I go to the gym, I mix up, I'm using a mesomorph pre-workout. And uh, I mix that with, I'm using carbolin as a, just to kick my carbs up. But that's only because I'm not cutting right now. And that, uh, that's a good, that's a good pre-workout carb source. Oh yeah. Carbolin's great, man. It's expensive, but it's, it's well worth it. And it, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, and then after I, after I get home, it's usually cooked steak, chicken with, uh, you know, I'll have a little bit of a starchy carb, like a little bit of mac and cheese, but not much. And then a big, most of my plate is vegetables, you know? And then if, if I'm not feeling full about two hours after that, I'll have a bagel with peanut butter and sugar-free jelly. Damn, that sounds good. Unless I'm cutting, if I'm cutting, like all that kind of stuff goes out the window. Right. It could change. It just depends on phases. And that's another thing, I guess, uh, a lot of people don't realize is you don't have to. And I think anybody that wants to stay stagnant and stick to one particular diet for the rest of their fucking life, you're going to be a failure. You have to change. You go through seasons, you go through times where Things must change. You must flip the diet here and there, have different goals. And if you look at human beings in general throughout time, there are seasons and seasons provide different foods and seasons of life should provide different goals for you. So you change your foods based on that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Is there any other supplements that really matter? That will actually do something? I take protein. I take pre-workout. That's mostly for motivation, and it it does it does help with my pump. You know, do you do, more- do you do a pre-workout that has a high caffeine level, or do you do no caffeine and you just looking for like a nitrous oxide blood boost? I like a smaller amount of caffeine because I don't like. I'm like more sensitive to it, I guess. And if I, that indeed, a lot of the stuff people are taking, and like I said, that's a personal preference. There's some people that like take ungodly amounts. I don't think that's healthy, but that's your business. But like I'm taking that super high, like STEM stuff. And I was like, dude, I feel like I did bad dope or something. Like I was trying to go to sleep after it and felt like spiders were crawling on my head. I was like, this is out of control. I can't believe people are taking this shit. I go for the stuff that's got, I need, I need something that has about a cup and a half of coffee's worth of caffeine. You know what I mean? It's right. just something to, after I've been working all day and I've got to motivate myself in the gym, something to wake me up, you know, give me a little mental clarity. Uh, that's, that's it. I, I've been taking Mesomorph. You, you've used that before, I. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've used that one. I, I like it because it's like kind of the happy medium on that. Like it's, you know, it's not out of control, but it's, it gets, I'm able to get a good pump with it. Keeps me focused, keeps me going. Yeah. And then, yeah, Mesomorph was good. And then the, uh, the carbol and working with that, you know, like I've got my body's feeding off those carbs. So it, like that helps out too. Yeah. That's actually, uh, it's a really smart thing that you do that. And, uh, keep in mind, everybody, that Keith is very physically active. He's moving all day long. You people that have an office job, you may not need something like carbol and, well, no, I'm not now. That now I'm a web developer now. My bad. Okay, <laughs> I misspoke. <laughs> I, I, I'm not active, but I'm also burning that out of the gym, and I also take breaks where I go walk into the neighborhood and stuff to you know just to get a little bit of extra edge. Okay. It, it also it also depends on like your level of of activity when you're active too. You know what I mean? If you're in an office all day long and you're not getting out, and then you're coming home and you're eating like crap. You know what I mean? You're going to have a problem. Yeah. Uh, there, it, it, people that are people that are working office that work an office job that, you know, like when you're training like me and you do, it's a little bit different. So if somebody's just trying to stay fit, then no, they probably don't need that carb supplement. 
you know, yeah. if they're trying to build if they're trying to build a lot more mass and they need that little bit of edge. But at the same time, if I'm we're, we're about, talking about yeah, like you're you're saying like okay, the average person they're not going to go lift like me and you do. Where we're training, doing sets to failure. Maybe we're lifting, doing some you know eighty. 90% max lifts for five to 10 reps and stuff like that. If you're not lifting like that, you probably don't need carbolin. Yeah. Yeah. Stay in shape is a lot different than stay big or, you know what I mean? Get bigger. It's right. And then like, I, and like I said, whenever I cut the carbolin stops because, you know, I'm trying to, I'm trying to ration out my carb intake along with every other, every other calorie I'm taking in. Right. Intelligent um usage and not overdoing it because uh dropping body fat is definitely it's conducive to look at your carb intake if you're trying to drop body fat for sure yeah and the extra water retention that comes with the carbs you know um what are some important lessons that you've learned throughout the years from where you started to where you've got right now if there's any important ones that you could say have impacted you and stuck with you. Uh, be consistent, man. Just, just be as consistent as possible. Keep Dude, that's a up. great answer. That's a great even, answer. Even when you have those days that your brain's trying to talk you out of it, even when you get in and you feel like you're having a shit workout, just push through it and do it. You know what I mean? Because like half the time you do that, it turns into a good workout. Or at least you did it, and at least you put in your work. You know what I mean? Right. Just get in there, do it. Don't half ass it. Finish it. Be consistent. And tomorrow's probably going to be better. <laughs> oh my god, dude! I love your answers, dude. Consistency is like one of the most important factors for working out, or whatever it is. You know, consistency across the board is what provides results in business. I mean, it did. It doesn't matter where you go if you literally use consistency as a, a main factor in whatever you're doing, you'll probably win. Yeah. I think Arnold said that, that like he credited bodybuilding to teaching him how to be focused and consistent on things. And that's how he managed to stay successful. Yeah. That's because of, of learning that from bodybuilding. Okay. Does staying in shape make life easier? Cause that's going to be some people go, all of this sounds so difficult. This is horrible to to think about a life concerned with me going to the gym all the time and me having to worry about what I eat. What do you think? Does it make your life more difficult or is it more difficult, but it's worth it? Man, it's, it's one of those things where I, I think when you first really dive into it and you take it seriously, of course, it's going to be a lot of work. Mm -hmm. but anything worth doing is and at some point it becomes routine enough to where it really doesn't i mean like anybody that tells you they don't have days where they don't feel like you know like logging things into their calorie app or or going to the gym anybody that says that is full of shit i mean like everybody has those days right. but at the, but the end result is, is by the end of the week like i feel better my health is better you know, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm getting close to 50 and and like my health is in pretty, pretty solid shape aside from, you know, like the Meyer like stuff that I inherited, like high blood pressure and stuff like that. But even that is more in check. You know, as long as my workout's consistent, it helps out a lot. Also, you know, what you're eating helps out with that. But yeah, I would say it makes it in the, in the long run, it makes life easier. It's, you know, it's a huge stress relief. Like I said, it, it keeps your focus. It it's just overall it's just a healthy positive thing uh, and if you it's you have to put in work to make things like that it so it's yeah getting started is definitely difficult it's confusing but when you get there man it, it makes life so much so much less difficult <laughs> right you pay a little dues to go to the gym and put the work in you paying the dues to keep up with your food and everything but the result is your life is actually easier because of it, right? Yeah. That's basically I, what I hear you saying. I, I saw a meme that was like, like, pick your difficulty. And it was like a dude working out. And then it was like a dude having surgery, you know, that's 
it's like, is it more difficult to put in the effort to work out and eat better? Or is it more difficult for your health to go to shit and you have to be worked on, you know? Makes perfect sense to me. What does it feel like being 47 and knowing you're still a bad motherfucker? <laughs> I don't know about bad motherfucker. More like an old motherfucker trying to take <laughs> you <laughs> Dude, I know plenty of 47-year-olds that are washed up motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, I've seen plenty, too. Like, that. that's my, my thing, because I just don't want to... Like, I, I'm fine with my age, dude. Like, I make a lot of jokes about it, but I just don't want to be my age and feel like shit. That's my thing. It's like, I, I still want to feel healthy. I still want to feel young. I still want to, you know, feel like getting up and doing things instead of flothing to death on the couch. And, you know what I mean? And anyway yeah i mean it, it it just it feels great to to be this age and and not be falling apart <laughs> yeah because so many people are dude i see it everywhere i mean i deal with the stuff like you know we're long-time weightlifters dude you you deal with joint issues and stuff and you know you gotta pull it back from you know we used to go really extreme with the amount of weight we lifted you gotta pull it back off that a little bit and focus more oh, yeah. and just keeping yeah. yourself in, in better shape. But at the same time, it's like, it is not one of those things where I have to feel like I'm doing better than someone else. I'm just happy with the fact that I don't feel like I'm falling apart and miserable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's not to beat anybody else. It's to be your best that you can be at the age that you're at right now. Now, nah, the only person I've ever competed against with this is myself, dude. It's a, it's, it's all about, that's who you got yourself. Yeah. Yes, dude. That's who you always got to try and beat is get up the next day and beat yourself. Beat yourself to be your best self because you can literally just give up and you can turn into a turd and you could end up being just like any other guy or girl that's 47 going on 50 and crippling along has to get a rascal scooter at Walmart. <laughs> to go hunt down her ho-hos and fucking chocolate or you can <laughs> or you can do what you're doing which is admirable which goes back to the question where i was asking you about it being difficult yeah it ain't easy it takes a little bit of resolve it takes fuck a little bit it takes a lot of resolve to get up every day and want to put in the work and effort i hope people understand and realize the payoff is so worth it because yeah there's some aches and pains at your age but you can get up and you can go to the damn skate park with your kid like you just did earlier yeah lots lots of people they're in their 30s and they can't do that that's so freaking sad to me you know yeah um, and even 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 stuff that's not skating, there's a lot of people that are just like, oh, I can't do that anymore, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you know, you could, you know, and you, you just got to take care of yourself. Yeah. Like the recently I was talking to somebody and I said, if an emergency happened and we're talking like somebody that is eh, pretty much your age, 48, I said, if you had to get up right now because of an emergency and go out your front door and run at full clip for a block or two, could you do it? And they were like, no. <laughs> hey, that's okay. I understand. Most people can't. I can. I know I can because every once in a while I do go running. Now, I'm not a real-time runner. I'm not a marathoner, nothing like that. But I test myself. I run a full clip every once in a while to make sure I can still do it. Yeah, I'm not going to get into anybody's like business. Like, what if you're happy, however you are, then by all means, because that's what it's all about is finding a way to live happily. But at the same time, as that's definitely one of those things that I would hope a lot of people would see as a wake-up call, is to think about that and be like, well, yeah, dude, if I had to run to save my life, I couldn't do it. I'm like, that's pretty serious, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, your body can turn into a freaking cage. It can turn yeah. into your prison until the day you die if you don't take care of it. Mm-hmm. So uh, will you be keeping this up till you 
hit the age of 60, 70, 80, however long you last. Till the wheels fall off, man. I'll do it as long as I can. Like I said, when I get to the point where I can't really press things, then it's just going to be a taking, just, just going in and, you know, doing what I can to, to a maintenance workout. But I figure I got about a, another 10 years where I can kind of press it. And, you know, when it gets to that point, then it's just going to go into a maintenance thing, you know. But yeah, I'll do it as long. I'll do it as long as I can. Dude, I'm right there with you. You couldn't answer it much better than that. I mean, I just heard uh, Rogan the other day saying he doesn't really weight lift anymore. He just does body weight exercises and uh, does kettlebells for functionality and stuff like that. We all know Joe Rogan's in great shape. He's in his later 50s. He's coming up close to being 60, not too far. That's where you just, you traverse to the next step. Right now, I mean, you can still afford to go hit the gym, lift the heavy weights, and we're doing just fine. But eventually, someday, we'll get to that point where, yeah, you know, doing 300-pound bench presses and five and 600-pound squats and deadlifts, these kind of things are going to get to where they're not attainable anymore. Yeah. That's just we're part of more damage. It'll yeah. Cause more damage. than yeah. It's part of aging. So then it turns into body weight. Then it turns into uh, maybe walking some more, maybe, I don't know, doing some Tai Chi like the Chinese or whatever, as long as I'm moving. Because I know our body was designed to move. And as long as we're moving, then we're not dead. And that's where I see so many people at is they've given up and they've stopped moving because it's an acceptable thing for our society nowadays is to not even move. It's, it's part of our lifestyle is to get in a car. You don't have to move to do that. You're in this box with wheels. You drive to a job or you sit into a cubicle or a box somewhere. And then you come home to your box and you sit there and you look up at a box that you watch programming on and fall asleep and get up and you do it all, all over again. Your whole life is about not moving. And I sure as hell am dead set against that. And I don't care if that is turned into the norm and what is acceptable. I want to stay functional and fit just like you. I'm on the same mission. I appreciate you sharing all your information that you did today. It's going to help a lot of people out, dude. Honestly, I mean, there's so many um, people that just the the basics of this, they just don't know what a guy like you is doing, what a guy like me is doing. And this is not gender specific folks out there. This is for guys and for girls, women, you need to do resistance training too. I don't care if you don't want to go pick up dumbbells or barbells, get you some bands, do some body weight exercises, do a Tabata, whatever. But the main thing is, hey, remember the misconception that Keith talked about earlier. You're not going to turn into Arnold Schwarzenegger because you pick up some weights. That's not true. It's a misconception. So we all need to do a little better to move a little more and be a little healthier. And uh, Keith gave us the lowdown on it today, and I'm appreciative, brother. Thank you. Oh, man, thanks for having me on. Man, I say we get together and do it another time because fitness is by far not the full spectrum of who Keith Pinkert is. There's a lot more to this dude than you know. There is art. There is skateboarding. There is so many things. I wouldn't mind tapping into some more of it. Hey, man, anytime. Just let me know. Right on, brother. Well, thank you, man. Much appreciated. We'll catch up and we'll do it another time. Awesome, man. Have a okay. good one. Okay, you too, brother. Keeping it real. Keeping it real.